Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. You've got the architect thing figured out. Now let's go build a better business so you can pursue your passion with everything you have. Everything you need is available now at Entree Architect. Subscribe today at entrearchitect.com slash join. My name is Mark R. LePage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise, all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This is episode 282. And if you've been a listener for a while, you may know that my wife, Anne-Marie, and I just moved our family and our businesses from New York to North Carolina. We lived in our home in New York for more than 20 years, so this is a huge transition for all of us. And with major change comes major anxiety and stress. It's only natural. Everything that was once routine is now new. Everything's new. Everything is different. This week's guest on the show is an expert on resiliency. When things get tough, how do the most successful of us push through to succeed? This week at Entree Architect Podcast, how to be resilient in times of change with Eileen McDar. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, Gusto, Easy Online Payroll, Benefits, and HR built for the modern small business. RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM, specifications, and so much more. And FreshBooks, the cloud-based accounting software that makes running your small firm easy, fast, and secure. Spend less time on accounting and more time doing the work you love. Eileen McDar, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Thanks so much. Glad to be here. It's great to have you here. I'm, I, this is going to be a great conversation because uh, I'm very interested personally in the thing that you're passionate about. And so I know that we're going to have a, a great conversation. But before we dive into that conversation, let me tell our listeners who you are and where you came from and what you do. Um, since starting her consultancy practice in 1980, Eileen McDar has become known as a master facilitator, an award-winning author, and an internationally recognized keynoter and executive coach. She's the author of seven books, including her latest, The Resiliency GPS, a guide for growing through life and work. Her book, Gifts from the Mountain, won the, best, uh, won the Ben Franklin Gold Award, which she produced in an award-winning training film. And in 2018, Gurus International, a British-based provider of resources for leadership, communication, and sales training, 
also ranked her number one of the world's top 30 communication gurus following a global survey of, listen to this, 22,000 business professionals. She's number one. <laughs> so Eileen is a certified speaking professional uh, and elected to the CPAE Speaker Hall of Fame. She's also listed as a recommended expert through Sloan Work and Family Research Network. And that is a lot. And I'm sure there's much more than that. And that's the short, that's the short bio. And so Eileen, I shared a little bit about you. There's a lot there. Um, and I'm excited about this conversation. But before we jump into the conversation that we're going to have, I want to I learn more about you and where you came from. So I want you to go back and tell us your origin story. Where uh, that, that point in your life where you discovered your passions for what you're doing now and what inspired you to, to do what you're doing and tell us that story from that point to where we are now. All right, let me do a quick thumbnail is that when I, my degrees in speech communication, which doesn't look anything like the wonderful degrees you can get now, it was fairly useless. And I was gonna be an attorney uh, because I loved cross-examination. Uh, and also the reason I got into the speech was that I was incredibly shy in high school. And my um, history teacher, when I was a sophomore, told me I had to stay up for school. I thought I'd done something bad. I was a good student. She said, no, you're, you're going to be on the debate team. Terrified me to death. But it was the only thing that brought me out because I realized I could debate. I could do extemporaneous. I could do improvisation. Um, so that was one of the first clues is to have a teacher see something in me that I didn't see at all. Yeah. The next thing is um, I didn't enter law school. My solution was to marry an attorney. Uh, then my solution was to divorce an attorney. <laughs> Um, but at that point in time, in my, that first part of my life, I taught school in a rural community at the Florida Georgia border. And I loved, I loved my kids. I loved teaching. It was, it was creative. I loved seeing their eyes light up. Um, and I taught year round, um, four years, everything from preschool to adults coming back for their GED. Um, so when I when I went through the divorce and moved out to moved out to California, I was doing corporate PR, and I've always been strong in writing. Has always been a strength of mine. But when I decided I couldn't do that anymore, and I left, which was 1980, is that a uh, a friend had asked me would I create a course for the local college, and I said sure, I can I can do that. Well, I had forgotten Mark how much I love to teach. Hmm. And then I would do another course at the college and the Steel Service Center Institute out of Cleveland, Ohio, got a copy of the course catalog and asked me to come into the desert and speak to their, speak to their leaders who they were bringing in. And um, it was just a ball. And then they passed my name along to this, the Copper and Brass Institute. And, you know, one thing after another, and all of a sudden, and I'm not the smartest learner sometimes, I realized, wait a minute, what is the universe telling you? with people coming and saying, will you talk to us? Will you help us? And that's really, that's really where that was born. Um, the other thing I'd like to say is sometimes we don't know where we belong, yeah. but we know where we don't. And I think it is equally important to say, this is not it. And for me, it was moving from this corporate communication and PR world that if I ever wrote another press release, I was going to throw up. So I said, this is not gonna, it's just not gonna work for me. So that's really, that's really where this whole thing about taking the teaching that I love so much of kids, and really what I do is just creating this educational link uh, with a, with an adult, with an adult population. Yeah. Was there was there a moment in your life? Was there a person or a, a, an event that sort of was that transition point? where you discovered that this, that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. This is what I'm supposed to be doing, that the, that the universe sort of lined up and you discovered and you realized that speaking and teaching was where I should, what I should pursue. Was there a moment or a person that sort of helped you make that decision? Um, I can't say that there was a single person. I think what convinced me was the, the feedback and the comments that mm -hmm. I was getting from people. And I do remember this one thing that just it struck me so much. Um, I was speaking in New Orleans at the convention center. And one of, my, one of my teaching points was that everyone has a reason to be on this planet. And I gave them a statistic related to the fact, you know, what are the odds of a human egg being fertilized? 
when it was over, this young lady came up to me and she handed me a piece of paper in an envelope. And she said, I don't want you to open this until you're on the plane to go home. When I opened it up on the plane, she, she had written, I was going to kill myself. Mm. And when I listened to you, I realized I have a place on this earth. Mark, that was like one person, just yeah. one person. And so you realize you know, you can have 5,000 people in an audience, but it's the one that you impact. And for me, I don't have to impact 5,000. Just one will do. Yeah. Yeah. I know that feeling well. It's, it's, it's uh, when someone reaches out to me and uh, says, you know, thank you for the work that you're doing because it's changed my life. That and I've said this over and over again on the podcast. How that is literally fuel for me. That is what keeps me moving to the next step. Um, it, it it really does. In fact, I keep those letters. Yeah. Uh, one of those days, I if I'm feeling down, I might go back and 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 look at them. But um, it yeah, it is that. Do do you want to make a difference? And I think we're seeing that also in the workplace, particularly among millennials too is they don't just want to work for the almighty billable hour, which often is what happens in architectural firms. you got a project, you got a billable hour. You want to work in a way that feeds your heart. Right. And it might be that you're paid to be an architect, but what feeds your heart over here is you volunteer for Habitat for Humanity. And being paid to be an architect over here uh, is giving you the wherewithal to allow you to volunteer for Habitat for Humanity. Or it might be that as an architect, what you're realizing is I'm creating a space for a family to really, you know, raise their kids to grow up or for a business to create an, an environment that, that welcomes people in to do business with them. So there, there might be many things that could feed one's heart. Yeah. And, and it's interesting that you're talking about that because those, those things that feed our heart are very often the thing that we should be promoting uh, and marketing and talking about in terms of our firm, uh, because that's what will connect with your ideal client. When you can find people who want to work with you, who are aligned uh, with your purpose and your passion as an architect, those are your best clients and those will develop your best projects. True. It's true. Yeah. We're, we're actually in the process right now. We're in the middle of uh, a marketing workshop at Entree Architect. And that's one of the things we're teaching. We're teaching about, uh, finding your purpose and uh, and and aligning it with your ideal clients. You know, I I, I love that because uh, on my website, it basically I basically say I'm not for everybody, uh, and I have a, a philosophy of how I want to show up in the world. Um, and if that doesn't resonate with you, if the you the me that they see on a videotape doesn't resonate with them, I'm I'm not right. Um, this can't be right for everybody. And what right. you see is what you get. Um, and so I think when you can say, we don't, we don't design space, we create your world. You know, we, it's just, it's, um, you're not just in it for the money. And I think that will draw to you right. the right kind of clients. Yeah, exactly. So how did you get from that moment where you've sort of discovered that, that teaching uh, and speaking uh, was your passion to how did you how did you refine it to the point where you are now where you're speaking about specific topics that you've sort of discovered the topic that you want to speak to um, how did you get there okay so under the resiliency group um, and again you've been to my website so you know that the very opening statement is the greatest renewable energy resource is human energy um, it took me a while to pay attention. This is again, when you're talking about your customers, will tell you what business you're in. You know, we can sometimes get so close, we don't even see it. Uh, which by the way, is an interesting question. If you're going through this to go back to the people who've been your clients and say, tell us, tell us what business you think we're in. Yeah. Tell us what that, tell us what that means to you. Um, so one of the things people kept saying to me is, that they remember, oh my God, your energy, oh my God, your energy. And when I began looking at this notion 
and actually it became more formalized at 9-11, is how do we as a nation become resilient? How do we respond to this attack? And I'm watching different people. Then I looked at what is it like to care for an aging parent? Then I looked at what is it like to have to go through, you know, you lost one job and you go back to another. And I realized that what pulls all of these things together, that resiliency is ultimately energy management. How do you have the energy to keep on keeping on? And it's not just when things are, oh my God, it's a crisis, it's a crisis, but it's when things are really good too. And you've got a lot that's sitting there on your plate. How do I manage that energy flow? And I realize that 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 energy is exactly not only who I am, but that's something, resiliency is something that can be taught. Um, but we have to step back to be able to learn that. And so that's really how it has evolved. And I owe that, frankly, to my colleagues and my clients who kept pointing it out to me. And I'm going, oh, but that sounds so silly. <laughs> I realized it's not. It's not. Yeah, silly. it's not. It is so important. It's, 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 it's the foundation of our success as human beings. Exactly. And if you think about what's the, the, the base level, the definition of energy is the capacity to do work. That's what energy is. Scientific is the capacity. Right. 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 And, so, and, and the reason I wanted to have you on the show is because I think many architects, especially small firm architects, sole mm -hmm. practitioners, uh, owners of firms of small, you know, four or five people, they're overwhelmed, you know, that, that they have so many hats. They're trying to accomplish so much. They have this passion for architecture and design and, and serving their clients and serving the world through the, what they do. Um, but then they don't realize when they get into it that there's also marketing and financial management and planning and all of the things that you have to do as a business person in order for you to build a successful business and a successful life that allows you to do the things that you're passionate about. Um, and that gets unbelievably overwhelming. I see it every day in the Entree Architect community of people, you know, sort of working with one another, trying to help one another um, uh, get to the next step. And I'm experiencing that right now myself. Um, I just moved from my home that I've lived in for 22 years in New York to a new house that we're going to do a whole house renovation on um, and, uh, and continue to grow Entree Architect and to build a new architecture business here in North Carolina from scratch uh, doing development. And so there's all these different pieces that I'm going through. And I thought maybe we can talk about resiliency because I think that's something that I need to focus on right now in this point in my life. And by doing that, um, maybe we can help some others who are listening who may be going through some things that they need to focus on their resiliency and the energy that they have and how do, how do we manage that? So uh, I thought maybe we can use me as sort of a guinea pig and maybe help a whole bunch of other people who are listening. So, so what, what, do you, what do you think we, sh how should we start? What, what should we do? Well, let me say the first thing is that you, I think you begin by noticing what is, what is consuming your energy. Um, at the end of the day, where did it go? Did your energy become consumed? I'm looking right now. They don't know that I can see your office, but I see <laughs> boxes and things are piled up. And so one of the things that literally the way we begin to feel that we can have some some sense of ownership and control over our energy is to look at our physical space. So like right now, I'm looking at your physical space. You got all that stuff that's sitting there. One of the first things I would suggest is only leave out that what you need right now. Mm -hmm. Put the other stuff away. Create this space in which you feel there is a sense of order that you can find things because your energy is going to be spent and you're going to get very upset. I can't find this for the client. I don't know what I'm doing over here. So, so look at where does that energy, where is, where is that energy leak? The second thing is what is it that actually renews your energy? And I would suggest that there are a number of things that renew our energy. Number one is the work that we do, but we have to do it judiciously. Otherwise, there's nothing left for anything else. Number two, your physical energy. There's a lot. My God, you lived in some place for, what, 22 years? And then you had yeah. to do all the moving. There's all the decisions about what do we take? What do we leave? Where do I go? You know, so your head has just been spinning around with all of that. Oh, my God, I have to start a new business. So break it into small parts. You don't have to do it all at once. What would give you the greatest sense of 
I can at least check that off and start small. So I would suggest it is your physical space. The second one is your physical body. You and I, I'm sure, like all solopreneurs, we wake up at one o'clock in the morning with our brain going, nah, 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 and then you can't go back to sleep. This is not good. This is not good. I'm really working on trying to get seven to eight hours sleep, um, which means that they're at eight o'clock at night, I'm saying, adios. I'm, right. I don't care. I'm, I'm going to bed. Exercise is another one, Mark. You and I can sit at that desk. And you can draw and you can talk and you can do everything. Stop. Go walk outside. Even though it's hot in North Carolina right now, you've got some beautiful areas and just, just walk. Just breathe. Do not take your phone with you and then come back. It's the small things that we do in life that begin to tell us we're having some sense of control and that we're in charge of our energy and no one else. Um, so then, so obviously the biggest thing is how do I begin creating an architectural firm here? So start jotting down notes. You're gonna need to network, uh, whether it's going to the, to the Chamber of Commerce, whether it's going to um, an industrial board that meets you know, once a month. Um, you know, you're going to have to, the very simple thing is you're going to need some kind of business card printed up, even though we think we don't use business cards anymore. We do. Um, it's a way for people to find us. So how would you, what is it that you would begin in small ways? So it's making that kind of network, which you probably have because of your podcast. Is the space, what's the space that I'm going to be in? Is it here in the house? Is it something that, that we, you know, we rent a space and are you in Raleigh? Where are you? We're in Charlotte, just south of Charlotte. Okay, lovely, lovely. So is it some space that we're going to have in Charlotte? Little by little. So look at look at where it is that you can get the most control. It's kind of like going out to the low-hanging fruit. You're not going to start this business full force in the next month. What's the low-hanging fruit? And at the end of the day, remember the only person who ever had their work done by Friday was Robinson Crusoe. <laughs> And for those who are listening that don't know who Robinson Crusoe is, <laughs> it's an old classic, a Daniel Defoe classic. And, and Friday was the guy who helped him on a deserted island. Um, we'll always have stuff to do. Yeah, so, the list never ends, right? It, yeah, it just, the list never it, ends. So on your list, if you're like, I'm, I'm looking right now at my list that's sitting here on, on, and I have to have things written. The reason I like to have things written is I love to be able to highlight and take them off. And sometimes if I feel overwhelmed, I will put something down there that I know I've already done and I will highlight it off and go, yes. Yeah, I've done that many, many times. <laughs> so don't put stuff down there that you know you're not going to do. Just look at that list and then take a breather, walk back and look at it again. And by the way, at the end of the day, it's the end of the day. Yeah. Shut office door and walk out. Yeah, I think, I think the, idea of the, of the idea of energy and consuming and conserving your energy, that you have a limited capacity. Um, and that if you are using up that energy uh, on things that are not that important or won't get you to the next step, then you're, you're, that's where burnout comes from, right? Is when you, when you use too much of that energy on things that aren't necessary or aren't going to get you to where you need to go. Is that, is that what, what gets well, you there? Herbert Freudenberger is the guy that, that coined that word back in the 60s. And he said it was, um, it was exhaustion. It was mentally and emotionally, mentally and emotionally diminishing your energy results by trying to reach some unrealistic expectations imposed upon by yourself mm -hmm. or society. So the self says, oh my God, I gotta get all this done right away. Society might say, wait, Wait, if you're going to be a sole entrepreneur, you're going to have to do these things. You're going to have to find it. So we, we can buy into that stuff. Let me also make one, one tweak to what you said. Yeah. Because you said, well, and it's doing things that won't get you where you want to. Sometimes the greater part of valor is not to keep how do I produce, but how do I pause? Pausing can get you more places than production sometimes. And it is the pause that allows you to regroup. One of the amazing things that we're seeing now in business, they teach it at Harvard, is mindfulness. 
Um, mindfulness is not sitting down and looking at your navel and saying, oh, forever. It's really stopping. It's slowing your mind, noticing where you are. We all have what they call monkey minds. It goes all over the place. And really saying, what do I know? What am I noticing? What makes sense for me right now? And just mark, talk to yourself, mark. Okay, let me just stop. I'm not producing anything. I am pausing. And then you can start again. We will be right back to our conversation after this quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, Gusto, Arcat, and FreshBooks. If you own a business or know someone who does, you probably know that us small firm business owners, we wear a lot of hats. And some of those hats are totally great, but some, like filing taxes and running payroll, not so great. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, and HR actually easy for small businesses. Fast, simple payroll processing benefits and simple management tools all in one place. Gusto automatically pays and files your federal, state, and local taxes so you don't have to worry about it. Plus, they make it easy to add on health benefits and even 401ks for your team. Those old school clunky payroll providers just weren't built for the way modern small businesses work. But Gusto is. So let Gusto wear one of your many hats. You have better things to do. Listeners to the Entree Architect podcast get three months free when they run their first payroll. Try a demo and see for yourself at entrearchitect.com slash gusto. That's entrearchitect.com slash G-U-S-T-O. The weather's beautiful, the pool is open, and the grill is on. It's summertime. And the last thing you want to do is to spend a long day in the office wrestling with broken files and archaic websites. RCAT, our friends at RCAT can help you save time by putting all the building products you need in one powerful search engine. RCAT.com isn't just a list of products, however. They also host the product's technical data, like BIM and CAD files, for you to download and use for your project. And to top it all off, it's free. It's free to use as much as you want. You don't even need to register. No email, no anything. Just go there. You can download whatever you want, as much as you want, and it's free. So stop watching the sun go down in the office, trying to find the right information. Build better content with RCAT.com. That's RCAT, A-R-C-A-T dot com. Do you remember when you started your small firm? It was no small feat. It took lots of late nights, early mornings, and maybe even the occasional all-nighter. Bottom line, you've been busy, insanely busy, ever since. So why not make things a little bit easier? Well, our friends at FreshBooks have the solution. FreshBooks invoicing and accounting software is designed specifically for small business owners. It's simple, intuitive, and it keeps you way more organized than the dusty shoebox filled with crumpled receipts. Create and send professional-looking invoices in 30 seconds and then get them paid two times faster with automated online payments. File expenses even quicker and keep them perfectly organized for tax time. And the best part? FreshBooks grows alongside your business, so you'll always have the tools that you need when you need them without ever having to learn the ins and outs of accounting. Join the 24 million people who've used FreshBooks. Try it for free for 30 days. That's free for 30 days. No catch, no credit card. Free. 30 days. Visit entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks. That's entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks. And enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section to get started. Gusto, Arcat, and FreshBooks. Please visit our platform sponsors today. And thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. It's a great reminder because physical space, physical body, and mindfulness are three things that I'm usually very aware of. You know, I've, I, I focus very much on my physical space. I like having my organization and my, my studio just the way I want it. Um, my physical body, I hate working out 
but for the past year, I've been out running or walking every morning, except for now with this move, it's sort of thrown everything up in the air, right? And so I haven't been doing that every morning. Um, and the same thing with mindfulness. I've, I, I built a practice of mindfulness, of meditating, and that was very successful. And the three things that I'm not doing right now are organizing those boxes behind me. I'm not getting out and exercising like I should be, and I'm not doing any sort of meditation at all because I've been so focused on getting it done and getting it done and getting it done uh, of trying to hit the next, next thing on my list because I have this limited time capacity. I have to get all of this done. I'm not stopping. I'm not focusing on my physical space. I'm not focused on my physical body and I'm not taking a break to allow my brain to just settle in and calm down, which will make me, will, will recharge me, right? I mean, that's the whole point of that is to recharge my energy so I can then move forward on, on the, the list. What will it take for you to do that then? Well, th the awareness that I'm not doing it is certainly, um, at, uh, and I'm hoping that, that we're inspire, inspiring some others as well who are listening, but just the fact that I, that I realized, I didn't realize that I was losing those things. You know, obviously I knew that I wasn't going out and working, working out, but um, that the realization that my physical space, which wasn't even on the list because it's so far down the list that, you know, I have to get other things done that need to get done. But, you know, my, my table that I'm working at right now where my computer is set up and my audio equipment set up is a temporary folding table and I have temporary lights and I have, you know, everything is set up temporarily in order for me to continue moving forward with the things that continuously move forward with or without me. And so I set up lots of temporary things, but it's temporary. And so in my mind, it's not done. And so in my mind, in the back of my it's mind. Working now. Is it's it working now for you? It is working now. Yeah. That, uh, the only power you have is now. It's not what's going to happen in the future. You might have a design about what you want that studio to look like in the future. But the place we are operating from is now. So let me make a suggestion as I'm looking in your, the, the listeners are just going to have to trust me on this one. He's got all <laughs> kinds of boxes back there, gang. You know, and I see he's got file folders and he's got something that I'm not even quite sure. It looks like it. I don't know what that thing is. And I see some papers on the floor. Go get, go to some inexpensive store and get a folding screen and put all that stuff behind the screen. Only allow you to look at what it is that you need right now. So that you yeah. feel so other every time you look at that, you're going, holy moly, how am I gonna right. get this done? Just take out what you need. Give yourself 30 minutes um, to, to go, I'm gonna take a walk of 30 minutes. You you know, give yourself a timer, um, go out and walk 30 minutes. Um, set the timer and sit in bed before you get up in the morning and just breathe for 10 minutes. That's all right. You don't have to do this isn't a lifetime. What you're trying to say is I mark deserve, let my the things I can control most easily get back in control and then I can move forward to the other things. Yeah. And it's such a simple solution, but without realizing that those things are missing out that, that when you look at your energy as a, as a uh, limited uh, capacity right. and you're, you're, you're not taking the time to recharge and you're just pushing forward, pushing forward, pushing forward. Um, you're not getting, done the work at the level that you wanted to get it done because you don't have the energy. Um, you are stressed out because, you know, you're, you're maxing out all of your capacity. All these negative things happen when you get to, when you, when you deplete your energy resources, right? And so by doing those, those three things of so physical space, physical body and, and mindfulness, um, that will allow me to get to the next step. And, and cause I've been focused on, getting my, you know, getting my schedule. And this is important too, you know, sort of looking at your schedule and blocking out time. And, and because now with this new location and the new office and this new project, my, my schedule is all up in the air. My schedule is usually very clear and blocked out. You know, I do this on this, this day, I do this on this day, and I do this in this day. And that's how I get everything done. That's a question that people ask me all the time. How do you do architecture and build Entree Architect? I do it with time blocking. I say, okay, I'm going to focus on this at this time of, of the week and this on this time of the week. And that's worked very well for me. But now that I've moved, lots of that is up in the air and things have shifted. And so I need to go back and I have to reorganize my calendar. 
and my time blocking. And so I have, I had that figured out, you know? And so now I have to also with the, with what you just said, um, of focusing on these other things that used to be part of my routine, I need to get those back into my routine to make sure I am focused on my, my physical body and, and my, and my mindfulness. Um, and I love the idea of just getting a screen and putting all that stuff behind it and uh, just making the space look orderly and, and, uh, and, uh, and not allow that to pull any of my energy away, uh, which is what's happening now. You lose, you know, you lose your focus. The other thing I would say is if you were to all of a sudden, God forbid, uh, some lightning bolt hit and there you go, you're no longer here on the planet. Yeah. What do you want to leave behind? You're asking me that for real? I could answer that. Yeah. Yes, I am. Yeah. I want to leave, I want to leave, there's two things. I want to leave behind um, a family who loves one another. Okay. And I want to leave behind a, um, a, and this may sound corny, but I want to leave behind a community of architects around the world who are, who are actively supporting one another. Okay. And the reason I ask that question is that we have no clue whether you and I are going to sit and where we're sitting tomorrow. Right. So when you look at your priorities of what you do, first, you already said, I want a family that loves each other. You can't love each other if you don't know each other. You can't know each other if you don't spend time together, if you don't talk, if you don't sit at a meal. And to create a community of architects who cares for each other, there are some steps where you begin to join that community together. And what does it mean to care for each other? And how do we support each other? Those are the two most important things you have. It doesn't mean you can have a temporary office. You can have boxes filed up. But at the end of the day, those are the two things that did I do something today that contributes to what I want to leave behind? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I could tell you that I feel that I am focused on those things. So I, I do have my priorities in order. Um, my, my family has always been number one, um, which is one of the reasons why I, you know, my, my wife and I are partners. She's an architect as well. We started our firm in the home so we can raise our kids together. And so I've always been very involved with, with the kids and my wife. Um, and, uh, and I built Entree Architects for the architects um, Mm -hmm. and continue to, to build it with right from the beginning that it was bigger than me, that it's just something that I'm starting and, and being the steward of now and, and eventually and currently building a team that will eventually take it on beyond me. Uh, in order for it to have a massive impact on the profession and the world through that impact on the profession. That was one of my questions I was going to ask, because when you do it all by yourself, you know, if you had different, I'll call them studios, pods, somewhere out in the universe that says, you know, I got some people I'd like to interview. So, you know what, this month, it's all you. You take that month and run with it. That gives you a month in which you don't have to do this. You can be finding the office. You can be locating the local architects you want to have working for you. And you're nodding your head, yes, yes. So, but possibly you're already doing that. Mm-hmm. But you have to be willing to turn it over and coach people. It wasn't the greatest of interview, but that's okay. You can coach them. You yeah. know, you're you're putting these things out. So it's the it's the entry architect community um, that you're creating. Yeah, exactly right. That's exactly what we've been doing, and and that's the place I am now. We started this officially started it in, in 2012. It started long before that informally, uh, but it started as entrepreneur architect, entrearchitect.com in 2012. It's been me since then um, with, with a bunch of, you know, um, I have had, had support. I have support with this podcast. Sarah does a great job of producing the podcast for us. Uh, I've had um, uh, some, some uh, uh, administrative support. We, I now currently have for the past uh, few months, I have a great personal assistant and uh, I've had some coaching and, and advisors for a long time who's, who's really helped us. Um, and, and the team over at Charette Venture Group who were investors early on uh, also helped with the development of Andre Architect. But right now we are currently in the process of taking it to the next level where we're bringing on directorship level, executive level people who can take over big, portions of what I'm doing 
and take over the responsibility of those things. I, I will never go away. I will always be integral and, and you know, part of it as long as I'm alive. Um, but, but I have bigger plans and I can't get to those bigger plans if I'm focused on the daily to do's. And so that's what we're doing now. We're trying to uh, get the right people in the right seats so we can continue and, and grow the community and the services and support that we have um, and allow me to sort of plan and figure out and, and uh, go to the vision that I have for Entree Architect um, before, you know, before I go on to, to my next step. So <laughs> that's, that's, that's where that's we are great. now. So, yeah. That's, yeah. That's great. That's great. So this, that it's just been super helpful because I, I really, I, I wasn't aware that I wasn't doing those things. Really? And so uh, that will be the first thing I do is to, uh, is to get back into those routines and fit them back into my schedule, which is what I had planned to do was to, to focus on my schedule. But these three pieces need to be part of that. And so I hope that our conversation really um, will inspire others to do the same thing because I know I'm not the only one who's overwhelmed right now. You know, <laughs> no. we have, we have thousands of people listening and I know that there are hundreds of them that have a similar situation or way, way, way more than I have, you know, I'm blessed that I have the life that I have. The things that are causing stress with me are all positive. There's no negative in what's happening right now with me. Um, and I know that some people are going through things that are negative, that are, that are things that are, that are overwhelmingly uh, difficult to deal with. But it's yeah. the same answer, right, Eileen? It's the same answer. You need to focus on your yes. energy. And let me say something because of the role that you play and for the architect community, it's also is, and you said it, how do we define our, our practice so we draw the right kind of clients? Sometimes no. it gets us into overwhelm in our businesses is we have the wrong client and they consume you a lot. You, you've created 10 designs and nothing matches. They yell, they scream, they're not happy with this. They make this change over here. You know, it's just like, I, I've, I one time I fired a client. I said, you know what, this is not working. I'm going to recommend you to go to somebody else because this is, you know, the relationship has to start first. And if it's not working, it's not working. Um, and so I think when you said, because I think it's very important about how to create this firm in which we know how to say who we are and who we want to work with. Right. Why not? Why not say, you know, we want to work with, for me, I want to work with people who are fun in the sandbox. If you look like you were weaned on a pickle and you've never laughed a day in your life, I don't want to work with you. I just don't want to do that. It's just not, you know, I'd rather pound sand to go do that. You know? Right. You know, I, I want people who, um, you know, who have a sense of integrity, people who actually come with a purpose. Um, and it's not just to fill seats in a theater, you know, it's just, yeah, I want, I want more than that. So I think when you said that, that's another smart way of saying, how do I create my energy? You create energy and relationships that matter. And that's with your clients. Say that again. So create energy and relationships that matter. Energy. We can create energy and good relationships with our, with our customers, with our clients. And so like right now, I've got another book that by next year, this time, hopefully will be up. And thank you very much. You participated in the first part, which is the survey on the title. Yep. Uh, I've been amazed at the people who've taken their time to respond to that survey. And what I realized as I look back on it is these aren't clients, these are friends. They're doing this because they know that I care about them and they care about me. Well, isn't that the way we'd like to do work? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, and, and it comes down to the choices we make, right? Exactly. You, you, can, you can take any work that comes along you know, and, and the, the listeners to this podcast have heard me say it over and over again about target market, find your target market, find the people who you resonate with and who resonate with you um, and work for those people, you know, and do those type of projects and say no to the other projects right. and leave more room for the things that you do want to do. You know, that's true. When one door closes, another door opens. And oftentimes as solopreneurs, we become very hungry. Um, and I've made that mistake where I've said yes to something and I have come to regret it. And I know I did it for the money because I was right. looking at the bills to pay. And the right thing will come. Uh, but it's taken me a long time to be able to be comfortable with that and to trust 
Um, and to trust the universe about that and know that the good thing about being a solopreneur is um, I don't have 45 people working for me. You know, I have a resiliency group and we've, we've figured out how to make that all work and I have an advent, um, but I can control those. I can control those kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been, this has been a great conversation, Eileen. I appreciate you coming and, and spending some time with me and, and helping me personally. You know, it's a little <laughs> selfish, this conversation to, uh, to have this conversation. It's, it's good timing. Uh, I didn't plan it that way, but it, 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 uh, it did work out very well with our timing. Um, before we wrap up here, I want to ask you the one question that I ask everybody on the podcast. Uh, what is one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? Well, actually, I think we've already talked about that, Mark, because when we said the better business for tomorrow is, number one, describe who you are, you know, how you like to work, but more also along, get your clients that you've resonated with, say, tell me, tell me what's the one thing that we did that made us stand out and let those clients speak to you because they're the ones that you are building your, they're the ones that you're building your business on. So it's one thing when I step back and say to someone, what a, tell me what you think I'm the best at, you know, when, why do you come here? That tells me what I need to tell the world. And then I can have my, I can have my client do it. There's no reason to say you can't have testimonials all over the yin yang or say, you know, since, since you know what it's like to work with me, I sure would appreciate it. But sometime you find someone who's in need of an architect, whether it's for commercial, industrial, or, or um, residential, I'd love to talk to them. That's what yeah. I would do. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Uh, Eileen's all over the social medias, <laughs> social media, I guess it would be. Uh, she's at Twitter at MacDarling. Uh, mm -hmm. She's on LinkedIn and Facebook. You can, you can search her at uh, Eileen McDarg or Dar. Sorry. Dar. Okay. It's uh, yeah, Eileen. It's cool. MC. Uh, I said McDarg because I, wanted, I was going to spell it. So it's, it's <laughs> Eileen McDar. It's M-C-D-A-R-G-H when you're looking for her. Uh, McDar. And, uh, and the website is theresiliencygroup.com. Theresiliencygroup.com. So go there, check her out, say hello, say thank you for helping us out here at the Entree Architect Podcast. This has been a super interesting conversation for me. Uh, super helpful for sure. <laughs> I'm going to go, <laughs> going to go buy a screen for my the back of my office here. Um, so Eileen, th thank you. Thank you for sharing your knowledge here at Entree Architect Podcast. You are welcome. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Mark. So have you gone through some major change lately? Have, uh, are you going through some major change right now? But maybe Eileen can help. I uh, hope some of the things that we talked about today uh, are helpful for you in the, the, the times of change that you experience. It certainly has been for me. It sort of opened my eyes to many, many different things that I uh, basically am neglecting and, and forgot to be doing uh, because I haven't been through this type of change uh, in a long time. So I hope we, uh, we opened up some eyes, opened up some ears, and may, uh, may have helped some of you. This is episode 282, entrearchitect.com slash episode 282. That's the link to share. I would appreciate it if you do that. Um, and go check out Entree Architect membership. It has lots and lots of things. It has unlimited access to business resources. It has a video library. It has a member forum. But the most important thing is our monthly training. Our monthly training. We bring in an expert to come in every month, the first Wednesday of every month, and, and spend an hour with us. We do live Q&A, and they present a, a topic of business or life or leadership uh, that will help us as small firm architects. So every month we get a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. One hour every month. Come join us, entrearchitect.com slash join for Entree Architect membership. If you are an entrepreneur architect who runs or owns your own small firm, then you are an Entree Architect. And I encourage you to build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, share. Thank you for listening. Have a fantastic week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? 
Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us. Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. (laughs) So for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.